This is The Bull, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair, a podcast hosted by brothers Nate and Brian Lucius, leaders of Gradient Financial Group. Each episode, they'll talk about how they're bullish, how they're bearish, and the chairs they cherish. I'm Zach Sussman, partner and chief hustler at Imprint Engine, and I'll be on the podcast today to talk to the guys about business, the digital world, and everything in between. Let's rock. All right. Thank you for tuning in to The Bull, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair. Nate, we're into this podcast thing now. This is a reality, man. I, I was so excited when I watched that video for the very first time, and everyone <laughs> else was so excited. So I like this. I think this will be good. I actually, believe it or not, had uh, three people at my son's hockey game ask me about the podcast. So I don't know if that is my benchmark for influencer status, but I feel like the town of Matamidi, Minnesota, or at least these three dudes, were definitely down with the podcast. I love it. So what uh, what do we got on tap today? Nate, before we before we get into our guest, who is uh, Mr. Zach Sussman, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, let's talk about what's been going on, what we're bullish and bearish about, what are things you're into, what are things you're not. Yeah, so I got uh, one thing here. I was at a industry meeting, oh, about a week ago or so, and listened to a gentleman from uh, Focus Three by the name of Tim Kite. Tim works with, um, he works with athletes. He works with high-performing people on their attitude, their mental game, all of those things. And, and one of the things that he said, which is pretty cool, he said, when you think about every event in our life or anything we run across, is basically three things. So there's an event, there's a response. So event plus response equals outcome, mm-hmm. right? So his whole thing was, look, you're a person who doesn't, you continuously doesn't like the outcome of something, change the response. So you don't like the O, change the R. Right. Seems pretty simple. You can't really change the event is what he's saying. That's right. Whatever happened, happened. Yep. So his whole thing, too, was it's all about response. Right. You can be proactive, but ultimately there's a response. So, again, he said, you don't you know, you don't like the O, change the R. All right. So you want you want a little real life story to event response outcome? I like it. All right. So my daughter, who obviously you are her uncle, Ava, is eight years old. And she had done something or lied about something or was accused by her mother of lying about something, which Ava didn't really agree with. So mom got on her, sent her to her room. Ava was torn up and upset. And I was up there talking to her and she wanted to go back down and argue with her mother. And I said, Ava, I don't think that that's the route you want to take. And I gave her the old line that 10% of life is what happens to you. 90% is how you react to it. I told her just take her licking and keep moving. That's right. So that's, uh, anyway, that was something that stuck with me. And so event plus response equals outcome. Seems pretty simple. Cool. I got something yeah. I'm bullish on. And this thing used to annoy the daylights out of me. And now I don't really notice it. So it's either a change in just what I've accepted and what society has accepted to be normal, or it's a change in how it's happening. But that is one of social media advertising. So I don't know what your view, and I'll ask you that in a second, but I noticed social media advertising to be either more inconspicuous that I don't really notice it so much, or maybe it's that the social media companies have done a better job with our information and profiling us for what we'd actually be interested in, but somehow it seems less obtrusive than it used to. You you noticed that I, at all? I do agree. I'm a... Uh, if social media or if advertisers through social media were to look at my profile... Um, 
I think they'd scratch their head because sometimes I'll be like, this is ridiculous. And then the next time, like 30 seconds later, I'll, I've already bought and like th- bought, <laughs> I've already bought like $300 worth of their product. So I know I, I have bought more stuff off of uh, random ads. And those are other things all of us say to ourselves, no way would that ever work for me. Well, a pair of shoes comes up on Instagram and I'm like, I'm in bro. Where and do I sign up? That's the craziest thing about, you know, and you look at I, I guess you picture obviously like the big brands. Let's just, let's use shoes. For instance, you see the big brands of shoes out there, be it Nike, be it under and be it whoever. And you see a brand of shoes come across on Instagram. And for some reason I give that shoe more credibility than I think I would walking by a store with all those others and seeing the random brand. I wouldn't buy it in a store, but for some reason on social media, I seem to give it more value. I don't know why that is. So I'm yeah. bullish on where that's headed. I can't tell again if the companies are probably making it easier, which is probably part of it. I'm probably getting more used to seeing them, so I'm less annoyed and more open to receiving them. But I kind of like the way that that's yeah. all developing right now. I agree. You know, to take on, to take, uh, I guess, off of that point, one of the things, uh, and obviously with the recent, I was reading a, a post, I think on Facebook, and sometimes I'll be guilty of scrolling through the comments for like 20 minutes oh, just yeah. to read. It's the best part. And about so this it. one was on Kobe Bryant, who, as we know, recently passed away. And this post, it started with like, Kobe is a great basketball player, fantastic athlete. The amount of things that I read under that commentary went from uh, President Trump being impeached, (laughs) somehow we got there, to rich people are terrible (laughs) and having helicopters, to um, estate planning was certainly one of the topics on there. Yes, yes. So anyway, I guess what I don't like is all the keyboard warriors out there, right? The keyboard warriors and this and that all of a sudden like it all leads back to impeachment right at some point just no matter what the topic is so anyway today's day and age it all leads back to some type of politics you're either on the extreme left or the extreme right and those are the 10 percent, and the other 80 percent don't really care they just kind of laugh at the whole thing that's right cool all right well i think it's uh it's about that time where i think i'm gonna have to give up my chair is that is that accurate giving up your chair today and who am i giving up my chair to you're giving up your chair to a guy named zach sussman and so Zach is a guy that uh, I've watched their business around here for years now. And they're in the promotional products business. Now, I'm, I'm not giving it its full. Uh, you'll hear more about what the business is. But obviously, promotional products, I can go online. If I want printed T-shirts or water bottles, like I can get them anywhere. And there's some big retailers out there that if you want something cheap, they can do it, Right. There's also all these mom and pop places that if you're any business around here, you're bombarded by these places all the time. They can logo a t-shirt. It's a real commoditized business. Yet these guys since 2012 have built this business and have customers like Uber, uh, Target, Lifetime Fitness, Red Bull, which Red Bull is one of the best marketers out there. And for these guys to have cut through all that noise in seven short years to get to the business that they are today have some very interesting takes on business in general. And, and ones that I think as you, as you, you know, listen to other people talk, what you're really looking for is what else applies to my business. And I'm always amazed when you talk to other businesses and other industries, it's really all, it's kind of the same stuff, different product, if you know what I mean. I do. And that that's awesome. And Zach certainly have some, uh, some unique things he's doing in his business and personal life. And I think he'll be, he'll be fantastic. And Big chair to fill, though, so it should, should be exciting. <laughs> it is. I hope you've warmed it for him. Yes, absolutely. Now, the one thing that has been their differentiator, guess what it is? Uh, people. People is a big part of their business, but 
technology, technology. has carved out their niche. So like much like our business, the rush and race to technology to provide people the ease of what they want and the convenience and the experience of it all, technology has been their secret. And so technology is something everybody's working on. And obviously what these guys have, much like our clients and their clients as well, it's a commoditized product at the end of the day. It's how do you differentiate yourself? How do you market yourself? How do you deliver on the experience of it all? That's what these guys have mastered that have helped them get into a $40 billion industry in seven short years, doing things different than how they've been done. So with that, Nate, I'm going to ask you to get on out of here and welcome in Zach. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much again for tuning in. And we do have our guest in my brother's chair right now, and that is Mr. Zach Sussman of Imprint Engine. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks. Nice to be here. Hey, appreciate you appreciate you coming over. Uh, Snake got this chair nice and warm for me. It's toasty. <laughs> so, so Zach is uh, Zach. Tell us what your title is at Imprint Engine. So I'm a partner there, and uh, my kind of fun title is Chief Hustler. Uh, you know, we're we're a casual group of guys. We like to um, you know, do things a little bit differently. So rather than traditional titles like CEO and CMO, we all kind of wear different titles that, uh, speak a little bit more to our personalities. Actually reflect what you really do on a day to day basis. Exactly. We just hustle. Understood. And yeah. your, your business is, uh, promotional products. It is printing, it is e-commerce, it's fulfillment. And it's a hard thing to explain. I've known you guys. And so I've watched you grow, but it's a, it's a hard thing to explain. How, how do you explain that to somebody as to what Imprint Engine does? Yeah, so it's a little bit of a mouthful. Um, what we consider ourselves is an end-to-end marketing solutions company, meaning for most of our clients, we're taking the place of three or four vendors. So we've created kind of this streamlined solution that involves technology in a traditional business that doesn't usually involve technology and created what we call sort of the Imprint Engine system. So those uh, places we focus on are printing. So we're like a full service printer, anything from business cards, banners, brochures, flyers, you know, any kind of printed material all the way up to wrapping vehicles and buildings, you know, large format stuff. So printing's part of our business. Then promotional products and branded apparel and merchandise. So what some people consider swag, um, everything from your traditional, you know, logo drinkware all the way up to, you know, really nice high quality branded items like Yeti mugs and Patagonia jackets and anything name brand. Um, if you want it, you know, we can source it and we can decorate it. Uh, then the e-commerce side of things, which is where we really differentiate from anybody else in our business. So for a lot of our clients, we're creating these enterprise sites, um, sort of used for internal promotion or internal audiences to order all the aforementioned products, you know, print and branded apparel. Um, so we'll create a nice company store and really customize it to suit the needs of the user. So if they want, you know, internal audiences to be able to order things from it, We'll set it up one way. We can also set it up to be used as a, you know, employee reward and recognition site or a gifting site for clients where, you know, they can give points to a client to go kind of buy swag in that company store. Uh, so there's a lot of different customization around that and sort of the, the tech part of what we do, like I said, is our big differentiator. Uh, one of my business partners, a former CTO of a company called Renters Warehouse, so kind of sure. came from a tech background. And that's really how the whole thing started. One of my partners, uh, the founding partners, was sort of in that promotional products and apparel business. The other guy came in with kind of that technology background, and they said, you know what, there's really a way that we could combine our two skill sets and create this process um, that not a lot of companies were doing well. So, um, and then the final part of it is fulfillment. So we're holding, you know, inventory for a lot of our clients in our warehouse facilities, both here and abroad. So when items are ordered off those stores that we're creating, we're, you know, taking it off the shelf, shipping it out, packing it up and getting it to its final destination. So, so that's why we're kind of end to end. Yeah. So it's from, you know, the 
client coming in the door and saying, hey, I've got an idea for something I want to put out there into the world to actually creating that product to facilitating a way for people to order that product and then finally Good. delivering and, it to where it's going. You used a keyword in there, differentiation. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I mean, on our business is no different. Our financial advisors we work with, at the end of the day, they sell the same product or from the, the general consumer look, they, they do the same thing, right? Now, in your business and promotional products, differentiation is one of the main reasons that we have Zach on the show here today, is if you look at promotional products, I mean, you guys battle, you've got the the big names out mm. there that's any website that will do stuff at probably a ridiculously low cost. I'm assuming you can't compete on price in that business. It's probably a race to the bottom over there. Mm. You've got every, you know, you got a lot of people who can go out and sell these promotional products through the vendors that can do what you guys do. But something has taken you guys from, you started in 2012, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And sitting here in 2019, Imprint Engine has clients like Uber. They have clients like Target. They have clients like Lifetime Fitness, Delta, Red Bull, companies that are known for fantastic marketing. I'd say put, I'd put Red Bull at probably top of that list. Yep. How did you guys get through all the noise 2012 i mean you're technically late to the game right mm-hmm. so how did you guys go into an established 40 billion dollar industry and carve out a niche to get clients like that yeah great question uh, as you mentioned you know there's the the industry giants the people like staples like taylor corp um like for imprint who are you know massive then there's sort of the smaller monpa operations that might be servicing you know their local car dealerships their local spas and salons things mm-hmm. like that uh, and there's a huge gap in that service model, right? For the big guys, uh, you're not getting the you know time, energy, and attention to do specialized things. For the smaller guys, they don't have the capabilities to do some of the things that you need done. So that's really where we recognize this opportunity right in the middle to say, hey, we've got this sort of technology application that we can bring into the mix that, um, let's face it, nowadays technology is so important to any business that uh, we felt like that's where we could come in and really make a difference. And that's what we've seen too. So really that customization around our technology is what differentiates us from anybody else out there. The big guys have sort of a one size fits all out of the box solution with not mm-hmm. a lot of customization. And the smaller guys don't have any kind of you know technology solution. So that's where we came in and kind of made our way. Now, you obviously got into that with, with technology. And that is one thing that we see in our industry and other industries is people will pay a premium for convenience. I mean, it is, people want things to be easy, but they still want them the way that they want them, which is probably where you're, you know, finding your middle ground. How did you ever get to be a, I mean, I'm just going to assume at one point you were an unknown company. Yep. How did you ever land a client like Uber or uh, Delta or Lifetime? Like, how does, how does that happen when yes. you think no one knows who you are? So it's an old cliche, but it's kind of that hard work and preparation meets opportunity thing. Uh, so we we're really good at what we do. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the backbone of, you know, the business. So you got to be great at what you do to start with. Um, so the opportunity really came with Uber with a, you know, local marketing manager, Uber launched in the Minneapolis market. And, you know, we had some contact with their local marketing manager here who just needed some stuff for an event. And so started like that really on a local level, like we'd work with any other, you know, contact that we meet that says, Hey, can I get some flyers or can I get some t-shirts? So that's kind of how the conversation started. From there, it just grew organically. You know, that that marketing manager, Uber, was a big growing company at the time. So that person eventually moved to a different market. Her replacement came and took over for her, continued to use us, and she kind of took us with her to the next market. And from there, it just kind of exploded around Uber like wildfire. It was sort of the Wild West early days there where 
there were all these marketing managers all over the country and they were all kind of just sourcing through each other. Hey, who are you guys using for this? Who are you guys using for that? And through that, we kind of exploded across the Uber network and we're individually working with all these different marketing managers uh, until it reached a turning point. The, the luck piece of it was somebody, one of our competitors kind of blew a big project. There was sure. a big, you know, national <laughs> Uber convention going on. And so the corporate guys kind of reached out to the marketing managers that, Hey, our vendor kind of blew this opportunity. Does anybody know anybody who can scramble and get this done? And we kind of answered that call, you know, delivered, did it on a really fast timeline and delivered some top quality stuff. So that's kind of how we got, you know, on the radar of um, the national organization. And from there, eventually after a couple of years, there was a big RFP process, quite a few RFP processes sure. uh, that narrowed it down. So for us, that's when the technology really came into play. Yeah. They needed somebody who would integrate with their procurement platform and, you know, set some special permissions for ordering and approvals and things like that. So we were able to um, customize a technology platform to integrate the way that they wanted it to. And that's kind of how we ended up being one of the few vendors, you know, in Uber who does what we do. And how, how do you guys, how do you guys market yourselves now? I mean, you're in a marketing business. How, what, do, what have you guys found to be effective at marketing Imprint Engine in your business? Yeah, so it's interesting. I don't know if you guys find this in your business, but sometimes the thing that you're best at, you don't really have time to do because you're servicing all of your clients' needs. <laughs> yes, you. um, so we're actually not tremendous marketers. Um, we're, you know, have a great marketing background and understanding. We just, it's the thing that we have the least amount of time for. Mm -hmm. So really all of our growth has been organic. It's been a lot of word of mouth. It's been um, just doing a great job for people. Uh, and we just believe that if we service our clients really well and work hard, that it'll kind of pay dividends and, you know, lead to other opportunities. So to date, that's really how we've grown. Um, I joined the business two years ago. So my um, partners founded the company back in 2012, as you mentioned, and really brought me in because they said, you know, we've, are so busy with the day-to-day -day of running right. this business that we haven't had time to really get it on top of that and get strategic and grow the business. Um, so that's really where I came in. So since I've been there, we've done a lot of just kind of cleaning up the brand, cleaning up the messaging, really defining who we are and who we want to work with and what we want to do. Um, did a lot of PR last year, just kind of get the word out. We were kind of an unintentional best kept secret, mm -hmm. especially here in Minneapolis. A lot of our business is kind of San Francisco based with these large tech companies just right. because of kind of what our area of specialty is. So, um, got a lot of really great press last year, the business journal, you know, star tribune, and, um, that really got us a lot of attention and a lot of, um, great leads and stuff came from that. So, you know, so far it's really been organic. We haven't done a lot to go out there and kind of strategically market ourselves, but that's certainly kind of our next big priority. There's only so, you know, fast you can go organically and yeah. we've got big goals. And so there's some stuff we want to do to push it. And what, what do you find as, as growing a business and getting the growth that you've had, looking internally at your business and a lot of the people that are in any business will most likely experience the same things. What are the challenges that you guys face to get to that next level? Yeah. You know, there's uh there's all these different levels where you reach where the, the, the problems and the opportunities just become so different. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, looking back two years ago to when I came on board, there were a lot of internal, um, just talent issues. Mm -hmm. You know, the company had grown so fast. Everything was so reactive that we continue to just bring in people to plug holes. Mm -hmm. um, so when I came on board and had an opportunity to kind of get strategic about where are we going and who do we want to be and just evaluating kind of what skills did we have in house, you know, what were the opportunities? Uh, we had that kind of lean, uh, you know, bootstrap mentality. We were bringing in really um, fresh out of college, you know, low, low paying resources where once we took a step back and said, you know, we're working on really sophisticated stuff with really sophisticated clients and, um, kind of deserves a higher caliber of person. 
Um, so a lot of it for us at one point was just staffing. I think we had 17 or so employees when I came on board. Now we've got 22 or 23, and I'd say only five or six of them are the people who were there when I got there. Sure. Um, so really just elevating the, the caliber of the talent internally to best serve our clients um, was a huge thing for us. Mm-hmm. Now I'd say we've got a, a fantastic team that we you know are excited to grow with. So now it becomes you know what's the next opportunity or the next challenge. Um, it's funny as a technology company that you know does a lot of technology for our clients. It again is one of those last things that we have the time and energy to sure. spend on ourselves. So. Yeah. You know, we're dedicating a lot of resource right now to developing our technology to enable us to scale, you know, quicker without having it be so um, human capital intensive. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our next big challenge. And then again, uh, going back to marketing, you know, how do we market ourselves and how do we continue to grow the business beyond just the organic word of mouth? Uh, that's kind of our big focus for this year. And how did you guys, that's another thing that, you know, a lot of, a lot of businesses as they're growing and they're, you know, they're somewhere in between where you guys started and where you guys are at how do you guys make the decision to hire people? That's, that's always a challenge for people is can we afford to hire them? What will they do? Who's going to manage them? You know, as you go through that growing pain, what's your philosophy on, on people and hiring? Yeah. So uh, our basic philosophy is um, hire slow, fire fast. Mm-hmm. So we really like to be strategic in who we bring on board now. I think that was one of the biggest um, things my partners learned and, and myself I'm um, just looking back at kind of where we run into this big pressure point and start to really hit bone when it came to our our ability to grow. Uh, so we we really try to look forward, right? We're looking at what are our needs going to be this year and trying to really have good time to you know find strategic hires and go through that process rather than filling holes and mm-hmm. saying, oh, geez, we need this person. Let's scramble. It really you know puts a a dent in our productivity if we've got to shift direction like that. So just kind of forward thinking and trying to figure out, you know, what we need before we need it. The question of, you know, that kind of cart before the horse, do you invest in people and how do you invest in yeah. people? Uh, I think this is something that I, I learned in hospitality. I was in the hospitality business for 10 years and it's true to this business. It's true to every other business I've seen. People are the most important part of the business. Agreed. You know, there's only so much you can do without great people. You're only as good as your people. Agreed. Uh, so people is like the most important thing in the world to us. So we've tried really hard to focus on the culture Mm-hmm. And really taking learnings from all of our backgrounds to say, what were the things that we liked or didn't like at places that we've been? Um, and really try to build an organization around that. So for us, kind of the um, culture is a big part. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really try to give our employees flexibility in you know, hours. We have a, a very, I'd say, forward-thinking culture in terms of um, just the schedule, right? People can work from home. They can work whatever hours they choose. We try to really be as flexible as possible. Mm-hmm. Just feel like people do their best work when they're their most comfortable and when they're kind of calling the shots as far as when they're getting to work and if they want to go get a haircut, if they want to go to the dentist during the day, you know, they don't have to ask somebody. They just kind of do what they need to do to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been important for us. You know, we're not the biggest company in the world, so we're not able to compete with some of the big guys sure. when it comes to salary. So it's all those <laughs> intangibles, right? Um, we have dog-friendly environment, so we've got about nine dogs at the office at oh, any given time. Oh, that's a stretch for us. Yeah, people love that. So we've got warehouse dogs and office dogs since oh, we're attached to warehouse. Are they different so. kinds of dogs? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> different personalities, and we're also right next door to a, a dog training facility, so oh. if they get really wild during the day, we just cut them loose next door and let them run around. So that's Do you ever thing. hire a dog to be an office dog, and he turns out where you got to move him over to the warehouse? <laughs> it happens, yes, definitely. Um, so you, you talked about the hospitality industry, so let's You've gone through kind of business, growing pains, uh, technology obviously being a big thing. And it's certainly a big thing in the financial services industry. It's also, you know, one of the things you referenced was integration with other technology is 
there's no shortage of technology you can buy and I can have this system and this software and wherever, but the annoyance and the struggle comes when you can't connect at all. Mm -hmm. So that is, a, I mean, a major point in our industry where we're hitting too is everybody's building things, but you want to be connecting them. What other parallels have you seen between the hospitality industry that, that you were in before and this as just looking at business in general? What are things did you have you either learned is the same or were you able to bring over and transfer into this business? Yeah, you know, there's so much crossover, honestly, with hospitality and any other business. I'd say hospitality is like the truest form of business. I'd say it's pure in that you're just, your value is providing an experience for someone, right? Anyone can make a burger at their house. Um, so in hospitality, it's really that server, that interaction at the host stand. It's all that just human interaction is what makes an experience, you know, good or bad at a restaurant. So that's, really the same in our business, right? There's a lot of different competitors out there. You know, it's, it's a really competitive market. So sort of what do we bring to the table besides, you know, great technology and being able to service our clients? Well, it's that hospitality piece. It truly is. It's relationship building. Um, it's trust building. It's just knowing that we're there and we have our customers back. You know, you can order something through for imprint, which is sort of that giant online, you know, somebody just says, Hey, I want a thousand water bottles. Sure. You go to Google and you say, Hey, Google, find me a thousand water bottles. You're going to see an ad from for imprint pop up. You can go on there, you can click through, you can add your logo and boom, you know, a thousand water bottles will show up pretty slick. And there's plenty of companies that do that. The problem is when you get to that enterprise level that our clients are at, um, you need somebody to be accountable if something goes wrong, right? right? You need somebody to provide some guidance because not all water bottles are created equally and not mm -hmm. all printing processes are equal. So, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll get somebody who's purely focused on price and they say, well, I found this on this website and we say, you know what, go for it. <laughs> um, that's not what we would recommend. And that's, you know, not what we do from a price perspective, but if that's all you care about is price and inevitably that customer will come back every time and say, got these water bottles, they showed up two days late. I missed my convention or they went through the dishwasher twice and the printing rubbed off and it's such a junk product. So, you know, like everything else in life, you get what you pay for. For sure. Um, and that's a lot of where we add value. You know, it's expertise, uh, just like in the restaurant business too. I'm always fascinated by sort of what I consider to be the value of uh, a meal in a restaurant. Some mm -hmm. people say it's expensive to dine out. I look at it kind of reverse and having been on the inside and I say, you know what, if I had to make that specific dish at my house, right, to go buy these five spices and these ingredients oh, and yeah. everything, it's like, you're going to spend the same amount of money making that dish by yourself For and sure. you're going to have to take the time and energy to make it. And it's probably not going to turn out as well as it does at the restaurant. That'd be a fact. <laughs> and somebody brings it to you with a smile and it's just this experience. So I actually think there's tremendous value in dining out. And I, you know, think it's the same way in our business, right? It's that value add of having a team of experts that touch these products and these print processes all the time. I mean, my team is so good. They can tell you how a, you know, shade of your PMS color of your logo is going to turn out printed on a different substrate. You want to print it on wood or you're going to have something etched in metal. Mm -hmm. There's just all this lifetime of expertise from, you know, 20 people who have been in this business for eight, nine years now. Um, and you're getting all of that value um, for really the same price as you're going to go to four imprint and buy something, right? Uh, you know, you're getting all this value add. So that's really, you know, the differentiator in our business. It's sort of that hospitality it's that um, experience. piece that comes back into it. Yeah, it's that experience as a that, customer. That experience is a hard thing to to create or quantify for people. But when you think about everything that you're doing, I mean, certainly our, our financial advisors, the ones who are very successful, they focus on the experience. They focus on Obviously, you got to have a quality product at the mm -hmm. end of the day, which you or restaurants will ever have to have. But that experience of when someone comes in, how are they treated on the way through to the sale? And then how are they treated after the sale is what gets them coming back. 
And with the with the bar set as high as it is for experience these days, be it you have your cliche places like Starbucks. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no good reason to pay six bucks for coffee, but it provides that experience. I know, I mean, there's other smaller places, restaurants around town. Uh, Discount Tire is one that comes to mind mm-hmm. if you ever have been to one. Their yeah. experience is consistent and it's always the same. How do, how do you view experiences now? It seems like the world has gravitated towards providing a good experience. Do you think that that will continue to go? And do you think that people will continue to pay that premium for an experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're seeing that a ton in our business. So traditionally that promotional products business is really, you know, we affectionately refer to as trash and trinkets. Mm-hmm. You know, when people think of that business a couple of years ago, it was cheap pens and cheap mugs and, you know, stuff that you're giving away at trade shows. That is such a small part of our business nowadays. Our customers are really focused on quality, right? They'd rather have 10 Yeti mugs than 100 no-name mugs right? Uh, because it's such a different experience for the recipient, right? So we're seeing a lot of um, trends that are consistent with social media now. So I don't know how closely you follow this or how much of this you've social heard about. Social media is but, one of the things I was bullish oh, on. Cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is huge, right? So there's something called unboxing. I don't know if you've seen this, but like these videos. <laughs> My kids that, watch right? it. Yeah, so there, you know, it started, I think, with a lot of kids stuff, but now it's like it's huge with adults with anything, right? You buy a high-end product, and um, before you make that purchase, people kind of want to see what it is, right? You buy a nice pair of Apple headphones or something like that. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like from the moment you get it out of the store, out of that box, and like so much time and energy has gone into thinking about what is that experience, right? What differentiates mm-hmm. a $280 pair of headphones from a, $40 pair of headphones. Right. It's probably not that much different in terms yeah. of what the actual thing is, right. um, but you're paying for that experience, right? For that brand. And now with social media, everybody wants to share. Everybody wants to show what they got, right? So right. that's you know become a huge part of it. So we're seeing more of that on our end too. We do a ton of kidding projects, mm-hmm. um, which is you know a, r- a really cool way to give a gift to a client, right? It's not so much here's you know, a nice mug. Thanks for having me. It's how does that mug show up, right? Is it in a nice presentation? Is it in a foam insert? you know, how customized is the packaging. Um, so we're doing a lot of that now, really super highly customized packaging and that user experience. So on the technology side, we're integrating with procurement platforms with CRM tools, right? So think things like Salesforce, um, where a sales team can be out there, um, you know, selling to their clients and somewhere along that funnel, whether it's a second meeting or a third outreach, they want to send a personalized one-to-one gift to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Tim, it was so nice meeting with you. You know, here's a nice Yeti mug along with a personalized note. So we're doing a lot of that now. We're integrating right into somebody's um, CRM system where they can automatically kind of send that gift at a certain point in that sales process. And we're seeing incredible conversion from our clients for that. We've got a really cool um, company we work with called Foodsby. Yeah. A Minnesota-based oh, company. Yeah. Um, so they've been doing a lot of kitted projects with us. We sent, you know, 200 kits with them in Q4. We're sending out another 200. They said they had 40% conversion from those kits. And they're sending them to people that they have reached out to via email, kind of cold, eight plus times, plus phone call and had yeah. no response. And after receiving those kits, they're receiving a 40% um, kind of response rate on them. So that's somebody who gets that kit and finally picks up the phone and calls them back and says, hey, I just got this cool kit you landed for me. Um, let's get a meeting. Let's talk about working together. So that is, I think, a really cool example of sort of breaking through the clutter um, and just saying, hey, you know, you can there's so much traffic on email, even a phone call. It's hard to just get on somebody's radar. So you give somebody this really cool experience, you know, beyond even just sending them a mug and a note, you know, here's this really cool branded thing. It's like, wow, somebody took the time and energy to personalize this gift for me. And it's this whole experience of opening it. Uh, it really breaks through the clutter. And you, you mentioned something interesting there. Foodsby, for example, 
doing emails. I'm sure they're all over social media. They're doing all this digital advertising. And then they're dropping in the print later on. And print being a, a, a example of a Yeti mug or mm-hmm. something of value, but it's it's wrapped better in the experience as the person gets it. What other trends are you seeing like that? Of if Is print coming back in vogue? Did it never leave? Is it just <laughs> the timeliness of it all? What types of strategies are you seeing companies like this use to convert people faster? Sure. Um, I think the print has never truly gone out. I mean, different print mediums, of course, you know, the way people take in their news nowadays, it might not be a printed, you know, material. Maybe they've gone digital with some of that. But um, in terms of our clients and how they're using it, print is still one of the most effective ways to get in front of people. It's one of the most cost effective ways to get in front of people. And it's that experience, right? People don't get as much mail as they used to. So if you get something that really speaks to you, that's targeted, I think it's, you know, you have to be very strategic about what you're putting in front of people. It can't just be sending a blanket blah thing, but if you customize it really well and you get a good experience, I think it's really impactful. And we're seeing that trend with all of our clients. I mean, they're trying to be much more one-to-one, trying to be much more customized to the recipient as opposed to saying, hey, we're going to send out, you know, this massive mailer and just blanket people. They're trying to be really strategic and focused with that dollar to get the biggest ROI. Good. And so it is interesting, you know, as, as we live in the financial services business, you came from the hospitality business, you've got uh, obviously in the promotional products and end end marketing side of it now, but I mean, it's almost everybody has to start with some product of value. Mm-hmm. And in some businesses, they're manufacturing the product of value, but a lot of times like us or you, you're getting your product somewhere else, yet mm-hmm. you then are in charge of manufacturing the experience, if you will, and how you're delivering that product of value to people. You also then have, you know, the technology solution, which you guys talked about, which was your biggest into the business or your biggest kind of differentiator and what really helped you break through all the noise was you made it easier for people to do it. Mm-hmm. And you definitely see that, be it be it Uber itself or be it Foodsby or be it Amazon, people pay a premium for convenience. I don't want to do the work I used to have to do. Mm-hmm. I can have it all shipped to me through technology. And then of course, making that whole process easy. Then you have the delivery of whatever your good and service is, which hospitality businesses continuing to do the right thing. You're continuing to help people out. Your, your delivery of whatever the thing is has to be good or else they buy one time, never buy again, never refer anybody. And that obviously doesn't help anybody do it. And then you have your overall customer service at the end of it is it's not, most of us are not in a business where you buy one widget and they're out of here and right. hope you enjoy your whatever that we're looking at more of a lifetime value of a client. Certainly our financial advisors do the same thing. So it's, it's interesting as we talk to people of how all the same things really apply to every business, but you get different bits and pieces that come from another industry to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's for us. It kind of all comes down to doing the right thing, right? It's how would you want to be treated as a customer and you know, how would you want to be handled? And that's kind of how we approach the whole business, right? It's not about how do you make the biggest buck on this one deal and never talk to somebody again. It's how do we keep a client for life and keep them happy and make them a partner. We really look at our clients, you know, quote unquote as partners. We consider ourselves a partner, not a vendor. And a lot of that comes to kind of that added value piece of it, right? We just feel like we bring so much to the table. Um, you know, I was a customer of Imprint Engine before I became a partner. Right. And uh, that's what really got me interested about. So I was in this scenario where I was, uh, you know, VP of marketing at this hospitality company. 
and I had all of these different vendors that I was trying to coordinate with, right? I had three or four different printers that were doing everything from menus to in-store marketing collateral to business cards. Then we had a uniform vendor. We had a promotional products vendor. Um, and then we really didn't have an effective mechanism for getting all of this ordered from the stores or delivered right. to the stores. And storage was at a premium for all the restaurants, right? <clears throat> Their space is tight back there. So nobody wants to hold on to a bunch of inventory of anything. Uh, so I came across Imprint Engine and I was just kind of blown away. For me, they saved me a ton of time, energy, money. Um, and I said, wow, this is a fantastic solution that I didn't really you know, know existed before and started to dig deeper. And that's when we kind of started having conversations about me joining the team over there. But that's what we find a lot when we get in contact with people is we're really creating a solution that they didn't know existed. Right. We very rarely are walking into somewhere where we're trying to displace an existing vendor. We're walking into a scenario where we're replacing five different vendors that were super inefficient and weren't getting any economies of scale from their you know amount of stuff they were buying. There's just you know inefficiencies all over the board. So usually the person that we're talking to, which is usually somebody on the marketing or operations team, it's like we sit down with them and explain what we do and it's sort of a breath of fresh air. They're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, thank God, I'm so happy I found you. I was pulling my hair out trying to make this all work. So that's where, you know, we, we love what we do because we really are providing this solution for people as opposed to, you know, coming in and trying to force something that, you know, they don't necessarily need or that maybe somebody's already doing for them. And that's thought a lot of times, I mean, financial advisors being the same way is people don't, they don't view themselves as having a problem <clears throat> because mm-hmm. they've done the same thing. They've had five different vendors. They've had five different portfolios. They've had five different products. They've had five different whatever. And it's really through the process of explaining to somebody what your service or your value does that either has them open up their eyes and say, I didn't know that existed. Mm -hmm. I'm in, but usually they don't, do your clients view it as they have this glaring problem or as you unfold through the process, do they recognize that it'd be a lot easier with you than it would be the way I'm doing it? You know, we see it both ways. Um, One of our biggest clients, a company called GitHub, yeah. They were bought by Microsoft for like eight and a half billion dollars or something. It's a nice, year and a nice half exit. Year. Yeah, it wasn't bad. <laughs> I think it was the largest per employee acquisition in U.S. history or something. They've only got a couple hundred employees. So really? it was a huge, huge buyout for them. So we came in there, um, and again, it was through word of mouth. It was somebody over at GitHub had a buddy or a roommate or something that worked at Uber, and they said, who does this stuff for you guys? It's just keeping us up at night. Um, they were handling it all internally. So mm-hmm. they had a big team in-house that was doing all of their global fulfillment for printing for promotional products. They had both an internal site where, you know, internal audiences could order stuff and then also a customer facing kind of swag store. They've got maybe 3 million users all over the world who are fanatic, you know, fans of the brand. They've Mm -hmm. got GitHub laptop stickers and plushies and figurines and they just love GitHub. Um, So they came to us and they just said, hey, we've been, you know, managing this thing in-house and just, that's not what we do. We're a computer software company and we, you know, do what we do, but we don't do what you guys do. So, you know, we're looking for you guys to come in and help. So they were a great example of somebody who was kind of trying to piece things together and do it all themselves. And they, after a while, just said, you know what, we're going to find the right partner to do this for us, who actually does this for a living and does it well. Uh, Then we get other customers who have, you know, no idea that this exists and who are kind of struggling through, you know, what I had struggled through on the other end, which was managing multiple vendors and Mm -hmm. just going, there's got to be a better way to do this. And it's like, how do you even search for it? There's not really a word for, you know, what our business is. And that's part of the struggle of marketing too. And that's something I saw on the restaurant side a lot. Uh, The restaurant concept that I was a part of, you know, had a lot of different audiences. They were sort of something for everybody, which can be a really tough, you know, double-edged sword to manage. It's like, you can't, get really laser focused on who your audience is if you're really appealing to so many different audiences. So, 
you know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for a lot of businesses. So that's, you know, continues to be a challenge for us is how do you really go find the people who are out there looking for you? Cause they don't even know that you exist or don't know what to search for, right. uh, you know, on that, on that journey, how yeah. do they find something that they're looking for? And so that's, you know, still our, one of our challenges. Our clients face that same problem. It yep. is, it's, you know, telling your story and telling why you're different and not using the same marketing messages that everybody else is. And then of course it all ties back to once you get in front of the person, that is the time to separate yourself from everybody else they met with because they have some preconceived notion about what they think you do. <laughs> and until you can sit down with them and go through it and show them that you're different, it is a uphill battle from there. Yeah. All right, Zach. Well, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing certainly your insight with us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Well, and certainly congrats to you guys and your success. We, we're looking forward already to having you back and watching the company grow and you guys continuing to innovate and Heck, I'm going to steal some of your ideas, too, for the for the future as well. But we appreciate all you guys are doing and appreciate you stopping by. Awesome. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.